everyone dreams about living an uncommon life. But how we define that dream is very different for each of us. And for most, it's a lifelong pursuit. Welcome to the Uncommon Life Project Podcast. We're going to introduce you to people who are living that life or enjoying the journey to get there. We're going to also give you some tools, tricks, and tips for starting or accelerating your own efforts to live an uncommon life, a life worth celebrating and savoring. Please welcome your hosts, Brian Dewhurst and Philip Ramsey. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the episode of Uncommon Life Project. I'm your host, Philip Ramsey. And I am Brian Dewhurst. Man, I'm excited to get back on the air. This is the first time we've ever had a show in our new office. New office. Welcome to the jungle. Uh, we have got a great show for you. We always say that. Paul Long, tell us about him. Well, Paul Long is a motivational speaker and consultant that has challenged the corporate landscape for over a decade while engaging in an audiences around the globe. Through his concept of fundamism, infectious spirit, and unique take on fun in the workplace, Paul has provided memorable experiences for countless engagements, including, but not limited to, workshops, trade shows, keynotes, and more. As the Kansas City Royals 2016 Fan of the Year, as selected by Major League Baseball, his shenanigans have been featured in media outlets like ESPN, The Washington Post, and even The Wall Street Journal. Welcome, Paul Long. Thank you, gentlemen. It's a pleasure to be here. Do you like that shenanigans thrown into there? I did appreciate the insertion of this shenanigans. Yeah. Always have to have that. <laughs> yeah, we shenanigans. You could also refer to them as shenanigans. Oh wow, that's a whole other level. Yeah, I wanted to go to the name. How did you get the name? Fundamentalism. Yes. So fundamentalism uh, could be easily defined as the fundamentals of a fun and optimistic lifestyle. So basically, I made up the word just by throwing all those words together. Fundamental of a fun and optimistic lifestyle. Did you do that yourself or did somebody come up help you with that? Uh, I think I did it by myself. Dude, that's creative. Did you use a random word gen generator? No, I didn't. <laughs> I don't even know how that works. Because I have done that. I'm just, I'm asking out of experience. Yeah, it's so. great questions. Okay, so we need to tell you two things. One, thank you, Melissa, for that amazing intro. We always got a shout out to our voice in the sky. Voice. Second, uh, Paul is here in studio. And so this is probably our favorite kind of interviews that we do. Okay, but Paul, you weren't always so fun, and you probably had a job that you hated. Tell us about that experience. Well, I'd like to correct you, Philip. Uh, so I've always been fun, but I did okay. have a job that I didn't appreciate. Well played. <laughs> so, uh, no, first job out of college, uh, I worked in a call center, and, and call centers, if anybody listening in has ever worked in that environment, it can be very mundane, monotonous, and, and boring challenging to say the least because a lot of folks are calling not to say hey you're doing a great job brother uh they're calling because there's a problem <laughs> yeah and uh and i was the one picking up the mess so ultimately i you know i rose up through the the corporate ladder ranks and uh i didn't enjoy working for the man and there was a time i i could i remember a very definitive moment where a manager came up to me and she said are you always this upbeat and optimistic and i said yeah and as I walked away, I recall that manager talking to a coworker of mine. She said, give it time, this place will get to them. And uh, I just want to say that again. Yeah. Give it time, and this place will get to him. That's right. Yeah, yeah. How frustrating is that? Like, my whole life, my mom said I could do whatever. Like, we could change yeah. the world, right? You guys are doing it. Yeah. Uncommonly, yeah. might I add. Uh, but 
here I am in my first job out of college and I'm being told that I'm not going to shape this environment. This environment's going to shape me. Only because that environment shaped that person. That's Let's exactly really right. Honest. That's yeah. exactly right. And so uh, foreshadowing, I didn't know at the time that was the start of uh, a career that I truly love, but it took me some time to get there. All right. So right now, you know, that we got a great show because this is going to be epic. Okay. So you get to this point, you, you're walking away. And you have this like aha light bulb moment of like, was it frustrating to you? Were you like, I'm mad about it. I'm going to try to change the culture. Or were you like, I got to get out of here. So I actually had two stints with that same organization. And so at that time, I don't think I was present enough to know what was going on. Yeah. I knew my whole life I had always been a little bit out there. Uh, I'm from a small town <laughs> called Osawatomie, Kansas, home of the state hospital. Mm. So it kind of justifies a lot of why I am the way that I am. But uh, I've always been classified as somewhat immature by sure. folks that, that didn't get to know me, right? Yeah. So I'm guessing that you've heard this in, in your life. A well, bit. for sure. Every day, yeah. Like, I think I'm the uncommon. question I get the most about Philip is he really liked that all the time. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, get, I get that all the time as well. So that is, when you ask, were you frustrated? I think that, that was always the biggest challenge because I didn't see myself as immature. I saw myself as a light that I was trying mm -hmm. to instill in other folks. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't even think that at the time it was deliberate in that regard. I didn't know that I was trying to pass my energy sure. on to other people. It just, it happened through osmosis and all that jazz. So I walked away and I was like, oh, this is, this is fine. It's just another thing. Well, it, take me, it took me multiple years to realize that this organization was not for me. So I left and I started consulting and uh, teaching leadership and sales and customer service to other organizations. And it wasn't until I came back to that organization, because now they were ready to embrace that culture wow. that you spoke of, they hired me to be a director of call center operations. And they said, we don't want you to change we might not have been ready for who you were before, but we are now. And oh, so wow. we are starting a new call center and we want you to help us. So I was amped, man. I was jazzed. Like I was like, yes, this is it. This, this is, is it. what yeah. this is what I was meant to do. Yeah. And I got there. And they weren't ready. <laughs> the inertia of incumbency. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's exactly right. I worked there for two years and I recall the first day on the job, I walked in and I'm sporting my vans and maybe a bow tie at the time, I don't know. And I, I look at dude directly in the eyes and he doesn't know who I am. I, I look here to be a younger gentleman. He doesn't know if I'm you know, a new employee or totally. I go, hey, what's good, brother? How's it going? And he looks me directly in my eyes, looks back down at the ground and keeps walking. Oh, wow. wow. And I said, this is, this is what I'm It's gonna I'm be an uphill battle. It's gonna yeah. be an uphill battle. But, battle. but we all face that, right? Totally. And so that was the first of a two year stint, first day of a two year stint. I could say that we made some strides, but but uh, I wouldn't change a thing. We got to go back because there's a lot there. He said, okay, so you're, you walk away from that moment. Mm -hmm. How long was it until you got out of the call center? So for good or for? Nope, for the first. Okay, so let's see. First job was, okay, it was probably about three years. Okay, wow. Yeah. That's a long time. That's longer yeah, than yeah. I thought it was going to yeah. be. Yeah, yeah. The cubicle of doom as we call it in some podcasts. Now, to some, right? Yeah. To me, I was the knucklehead that I'm answering every single phone call and I'm standing up. And, oh. and I would be the guy, it's a magnificent Monday here at, yep. how can I make your day magnificent wow. too, right? Yeah. And some folks would say, well, I'm glad that your day's going great because yeah. mine certainly isn't. Yeah, yeah. That was the best because I knew I had, 
Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. then, I, yeah, then I would just say, well, I, man, I'm terribly sad that your day's going so terribly. Yeah. It's my goal. And I take great pride in lifting you guys up to yeah. my level. Yeah. So how can I make your day better? Funny thing, because once they start hearing that, they understand it's their control that is making them suck at yeah. life and frustration. How much? Because you're a dynamic personality. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess. No, I guess. <laughs> is, that, is that a good thing? It's a great thing. How much of this process was like you being you going through this call center? Because I, I kind of... You know, Star Wars is better now. Yeah. Two dynamic forces. The mm, the dark side. The system, right? The, sure. Hey, we've been doing this this way for 10 years. Why don't you slow down there? Right. And then you, like, well, that's who I am. Yeah. Take it or leave it. How much of it was, like, you being you? And then what part of it was, like, you having to work on yourself to, like, maintain that level or to grow that mindset to, like, know that there was something more for you? I could be honest in saying that I didn't know that I had to grow until I left the organization. Okay. So a hundred percent of it was me being me. So you took the week before maybe the mindset shifted. That's exactly right. Okay. And, and I could say that I, again, cause I was young and I, I, you know, I never had a strong father figure in my life. So I always gravitated towards very successful men and I would ask for, you know, mentors in my life and whatnot. I didn't know what the business world held. I didn't know what my expectations should be. Sure. So I didn't know if I was, if, if, if it was a square peg round hole and all yeah. that, all that stuff. But uh, ultimately it took me leaving the organization to realize that there is a part of me that needs to grow too. Like I can't just look at an organization and say, they're not moving at the speed that I would. They, yes. you know, they're not yeah. fun. There's a part of me and my energy that's creating this environment where they're not ready. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Um, I want to go back to like before college, like you went to college, right? Yes. Okay. Let's go before that. Like looking back now, do you see the spots of like entrepreneurialism and like, were you doing creative things to earn money or like, just walk us through that a little bit. So always had a job working for the man until, uh, freshly out of high school, going to college best friend in the whole entire world is a gentleman by the name of John Stoner. Again, his name is John Stoner. Welcome back, John. Yes. <laughs> Shout out to John. Hey, buddy. So John and I had been best friends and have been best friends since the fifth grade. And so we were always connected, always doing, we had similar, similar family upbringings and whatnot. We'd stay the night at each other's house every single night. I wanted to be him. Like I looked up to him a great deal and he looked up to me a great deal. Who's a college basketball player, all that jazz. One college, we wanted to make an income, but we didn't want to work for somebody else. So we started the Bushwhackers, Bush and Tree Trimming Company. So John bought a truck up in Holt, Missouri. We uh, we drove all the way up to Holt to pick up this truck. We made sides for it. We welded all this stuff up, and we had this extended chainsaw on a pole. Mind you. We weren't bonded. We weren't licensed. We had no insurance. Two dudes with a truck. Two dudes with a truck. That's exactly right. We call ourselves the the Bushwhackers. Bush, the Bushwhackers. You know, the famous uh, WWE. I even made a song up for, uh, it was a, yeah. yeah. I took you for a guy that would make a show. I mean that in a weird way because I Josh and Paul. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, but nevertheless, that, that lasted for about a year, year and a half. It was good. We made, we did a, a big old apartment complex. Just John and I, two guys, Wow! one chainsaw, and it took forever. John, and, uh, that's amazing. Yeah. 
that was that was the end of the bushwhackers after that one. Gotcha. Jeez. Very cool. Okay, I want to go back to some because uh, it seems like you're just energetic, love life to the fullest. I want to talk. We had lunch before this, so we need to preface this question with we got into some stuff. I want you to walk our listeners listeners through the anxiety that's ridden in your family. Sure. Because I feel like there's a lot of people that are listening or dealing with today that like you could be the biggest spokesman for them. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. So uh, my grandfather's name on my mother's side is Paul Joseph Strahler. Um, my name is Paul Joseph Long. So I was supposed to be a girl. My mom was super excited to have a girl. She was all set to call me Michaela when I came out. Mm. And uh, when I was born, she was surprised that I was a male. <laughs> she didn't have a male backup name. So grandpa. It was grandpa. Paul Joseph. So Paul Joseph Strahler was the man. My grandfather was a guy that I love. He's just near and dear to my heart. And uh, I owe a lot of my life to him. So this gentleman, um, I didn't see it at the time. Mm -hmm. I learned about it after his passing. He was, uh, he struggled from anxiety, like debilitating anxiety. Like there was one point in time where I think my uh, my mom said that they had to they had to take the guns from the house right? oh, because they didn't know how sure. significant it was. He would lay in bed for for 24, 48 hours, and he would just dwell on things that aren't working, right? Mm. And so that's kind of the the first insight that I had into the anxiety in our family. My father, very similar, he suffered from depression. Uh, amazing guy, gregarious, very similar to you, gentlemen. Mm. Uh, love life, love connecting with people was an addict. I mean, he really struggled with opiates and, and uh, the last 10 years of his life, I swear to you, he lived laying in a recliner. I mean, he, he slept in a recliner every wow. single night. He suffered from debilitating back, back uh, disorder or something like that. It was, it was basically arthritis. But So for, for me, for myself, for you gentlemen, I bet you guys would go and you would be diagnosed with something like that and you would go and do something about it. You would go and you would say, you know what? I'm going to go to physical therapy or I'm going to go work out or whatever. I'm going to make myself feel better because I can't, I can't continue to be in my mind and think about how terrible this is. My dad looked at it as an opportunity to give up. Mm -hmm. And so um, my brother looked at my father and, and his example in life and said, you know what? That's me. Like that's my DNA. I don't really have much of a choice. Wow. Right. And so he believed that his father helped kind of shape his legacy, our father, mm. shape uh, his legacy. And I agree with that. Uh, how we differ in opinion is just uh, how it's shaped. Mm -hmm. right. Because mm -hmm. I'm the same, same mother, same father. And I see my father's amazing traits and, and I embody them mm. and, and I embrace them. And I see the traits that I didn't want to be a part of and, and didn't want to showcase and, and I, I ran away from those. Mm -hmm. And so my brother has made it um, so it leaps and bounds from the last couple of years and, and understanding his role in creating this environment. But uh, anxiety still runs deep in him, uh, myself, and, and my family in general, and hence the concept of fundamentalism and where it came from, because the, the mind could be a terrible prison. And so I believe that if you gravitate towards more things that give you strength, mm -hmm. as opposed to focusing on the things that tear you down, then you'll be in a lot better place as a result. Yeah. Wow. So you're going through, we got to come back because there's a lot there. I'm just going to just move on. So you coming back, you go back into the call center area. Uh, and now you're going to be managing to change the whole, I'd say, environment that you once were in, got out of it, came back. And then how long did that stint go? 
Two years. Okay, so five year total of the whole mm -hmm. whole thing. Yeah. Okay, so once you got out, when did you start realizing this could be a brand and people need to hear my message? Sure. Well, I think before we get there, it's important yeah. to touch on Come this back. because this is this was something that was important to you and not to ask questions about it earlier. So I remember having a moment um, when I was when I was working as the director of call center operations for this business or this organization where I was miserable. Mm -hmm. And I was tasked with the performance management strategy, coupled with other people, of 2,500 individuals. Wow. We went from a, a yes, I mean, multiple. I mean, it yeah. was all, so, so I was tasked with, all, yes, correct, the yeah. performance management strategy of, of many different uh, org units and whatnot, again, with my business partners as well. So 2,500 people, I thought I was changing a culture. I weigh all of this heavily on myself constantly, nonstop. And so I was miserable. I drank every single night. I smoked pot every single night, wow. which in and of themselves, I, I don't think that either one of those things are a bad thing just to let you guys yeah. know. But if you do anything in excess as an escape, I think it's, it's always right. terrible, yeah. right? And so I was doing it as an escape. And I remember we had a brand new baby and I was miserable and I wasn't present with this parent, Adeline Grace, our daughter. And so I remember going to my wife and I said, babe, I'm not happy. I want to move back home. I want to move to Kansas City. I want to start fundamentalism. I want to throw my energy back into something that, that can grow wealth. And, wow. and I'm not talking about monetarily. Mm -hmm. um, and I was bawling my eyes out. And she gave me a big hug. And she said, let's do it. Wow. And uh, I was gone within a month. And uh, we moved back. And then I realized that fundamentalism could potentially be a thing. Now, I didn't know what it could be. Yeah. But I knew it could be a thing. Wow. So really your only, I guess, support system was your wife. That's exactly right. And that's all you needed. Yep. Ah, come on. <laughs> I, this goes strong to my, life, strong life. Yeah, this goes to my whole theory. If the whole world is against me, but my wife is with me, let's go. Yeah. Let's tackle it. Sure. If my wife, if the whole world's with me and my wife is against me, my whole world's upside down. Sure. So I love it. Okay. Yeah. So you moved to Kansas City. Yeah. You have any questions? I feel like I'm totally kaiboled. Well, then insert now. Insert the first speaking engagement. Okay. So when I left the organization, I left to be a consultant. And in fairness, I had a, a warm transition. So I already had a connection. Yeah. We already had a huge client in AT and T. So it was just like, it was get in where you fit in. I immediately sure. came over and I didn't have to worry about where the next paycheck was coming from, sure. which was comfortable. Uh, but again, it wasn't my stuff. It wasn't yeah. fundamentalism. I'm teaching everybody else's stuff, Dale Carnegie. So you went from leading the call center yep. to kind of corporate consulting. You got it. That's absolutely right. So fast forward a couple of years later, um, a gentleman reaches out to me and he says, hey, I got a gig that I can't do. It's a keynote for the Golf Course Superintendents Association of America. I can't do it. Would you like to do it? Well, I had never done a keynote before, <laughs> but that's basically what I do. It's in training. time to do your first one. Yeah. So I went down to Lawrence, Kansas, and I did it. And uh, I got to say, I, 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 knocked that, I knocked that thing out of the park. <laughs> yeah. awesome. um, in my mind, I didn't know how well I did, but I remember getting a call about a week later, um, two weeks later from a local Des Moines um, Speakers Bureau. She said, hey, some company saw you out there and they want to book you. They said, book me for what? <laughs> they, well, they're doing their, their yeah. sales conference and they want to book you as their keynote speaker. I said, well, help me with what that looks like because <laughs> yeah. I've never done this before. And that was the beginning of where I realized um, what fundamentalism could be. Sure. 
that's so this is so neat on so many levels and so then walk us through that was what 12 that was, that was just, 2017 yep that was uh just over a year ago a year ago okay and then walk us through just the last 12 months okay because then you parted ways with consulting after that speech. Uh, no, I was actually, right that was that was the that start. was that was the start, right? Gotcha. Uh, or actually, that was the that was the transition. So I had just severed ties with the consultant firm gotcha. that fell into your lap. You know, well, energy and all that open. stuff. Exactly. So ultimately, what happened was I got connected with this bureau. She gave me guidance on how to do a speaker's reel and how to market myself and all this stuff. And then I just did what you guys do, like. I care about people mm. and I don't sell anything. I go out and I, I, I shake hands and I grip and I grin and I care and, and I'm not driven by money. And I, I've just always subscribed to the fact that you throw out good and good comes back. Mm. And, and for the last year, man, that's exactly what has happened. I mean, I've, I, I've worked with organizations that I didn't even know existed <laughs> uh, yeah. to, and then all the way up to like McKesson uh, pharmaceutical. I was their yeah. closing keynote for their national sales conference yeah. this year. So in the last 12 years, I've had booking after booking after booking. I've met amazing people like you gentlemen. 12 uh, months. Yeah, 12 yeah. months. 12, what, yeah, whatever. You said 12 yeah. years. Oh, geez. We've had that was the 40th slip. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, 12 uh, months. Yeah. There you go. Sorry. So ultimately, that's where it is. The last 12 years or 12 months have been amazing. So in terms of the seven sources, we kind of talked about that a little bit. You now kind of you own Fundamism. Not only like I would say structurally, but like you embody it. Sure. Thank you. Um, so that's like your traditional business. That's kind of what we would say is like the fourth stream of residual income. So Do you know if you're an S Corp LLC? I'm an LLC. Okay. Yeah. Good. Nice. Okay. So then you also mentioned you're working on a book. Yes, sir. Tell our listeners kind of about what the book's going to be about. So the book is Fundamism, Connecting the Workplace and Life Through Fun. And um, so it starts off with the concept of fundamentalism and introduces that and it lays forth the groundwork for fun and fun to many is a, especially in corporate America, it could be looked at as a deterrent, as, a, mm-hmm. as, as something that's not necessarily welcome, right? Immature, right? Yeah. So for me, it's a, it's an acronym. The F stands for foundation. The U is understanding others' perspectives and the N is next steps. So the mm-hmm. F foundation, that's everything that you are as an individual, mm-hmm. uh, how you communicate, how you carry yourself, your moral compass, uh, all of that good stuff, your personality sure. style. The U is understanding others' perspectives. That's how do you generate questions that matter. Instead yeah. of talking about the same thing that everybody else is talking about, weather, work, and family, <laughs> yeah. how do you create memorable experiences by asking questions that matter? Like, what do you do for fun? Or yeah. tell me something you're super proud of that not many people know about you. Yeah. Uh, and then, the, and then of course, the same with foundation, understanding others' perspectives, realizing why we're different, personality styles, communication, all that stuff. And then the end is next steps. So now that you have a better understanding of yourself and your foundation and where your strengths and areas of opportunity lie, and, and you've, you've taken the time to understand that we're all different and you, you, you've, you've embraced the fact that understanding others' perspectives is important, well, next steps, how do you showcase your strengths while mitigating those areas of opportunity? What fundamentalism should you gravitate towards? What questions can you ask to drive more memorable conversations? So the name of the book is Fundamentalism, Connecting the Workplace and Life Through Fun. Those are some of the core principles that we're leveraging, and I'm in the editing phases now, so nice. it should be released relatively soon. Has that process been tough for you just to keep focused on that or tell us about so i like to tell people that i've been writing a book for seven years okay (laughs) and what that really means is about seven years ago i picked up pen to paper and i got really hot and heavy for about two weeks and i got a ton of content down and then i didn't touch it ever again Mm. and then 
I got that gig that mm-hmm. we that we talked yeah. about. And then I'm like, oh, there's something, there's teeth in this. Yeah. And I saw every time that I talked about fundamentalism, people would would gravitate more towards it and they would ask about it. And uh, I'll never forget, I talked about writing this book several years um, ago in a call center at at and It was a lady that had half of her face marred by burns. So it was a wow. significant moment in her life wow. that obviously sure. something went awry. And I, I met her years ago when I was consulting and I went back um, and she said, hey, I remember you. You were going to email me when your book came out and you never did. And I said, it's because it hasn't come out, sis. And it was in that moment that I was actually disappointed with myself. Yeah. And so I picked it up and I started working on it and it's closed, man. Yeah. But yes, it's been extremely uh, trying for me. So we hear a lot. I want to take a little pivot. We hear a lot about this whole, you talked about lunch. So I want to dive in a little deeper real quick. There's a big shift in our country with millennials. They're calling it the brain drain, the 50 and 60 year olds that are looking to retire. You're in and involved with large companies and you have been now your entire career. What are you seeing on the ground level? What are you hearing? What are you excited about? What do you think the biggest opportunities are for companies, big and small right now, with just the demographics? Well, I think first of all, everybody's looking for solutions, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And if everybody's looking for solutions, then everybody believes that there's a problem. And so we're quick to identify problems. We're even quick to make problems where problems don't lie. And so specifically, one of the things that I'm sure you guys have heard, and you just referenced it, is this, this millennial deal, right? All these millennials, they're not motivated by anything. I just did a gig with the Iowa Grocers Association. And it was the whole, the whole title of the speech was, what's my motivation? Keeping and finding great talent. Mm-hmm. And so instead of looking to, to find and keep great talent, like we look at these folks and we say, well, what is it? What is it about this generation that doesn't want to work hard? was my belief that everybody's motivated by the same thing. We think they're motivated by something different, i.e. money, uh, leadership potential, mm. you know, whatever, praise, whatever it may be, intrinsic, extrinsic, whatever your motivators are. Just to break it down simply, everybody's looking for experience. That's what they're motivated mm. by. If they say they're motivated by money, well, what does money buy you? It buys you experience. If you want leadership and you want to be in a, in a role of, of, of leadership, then why? You want that experience. You want to be able to have that power. You want to be able to have that creative control and things like that that you said. If you want praise, it's because you feel good, man. Like it, it generates the sense of euphoria where you're like, I feel respected and I feel valued. So everybody's looking for the same thing. It's experience. So to answer your question, what are organizations? What's been my experience? I'm making a living on going into organizations and showcasing the fact that if you could generate the right experience. If you, could, if you could stand for something in your foundation and show a genuine interest in others and understanding uh, other people's perspectives and then identify next steps and growing your brand and leading through purpose, praise, and progress, then ultimately you're going to create an experience and the right people are going to come, they're going to stay, and performance is going to be great as a result. That's awesome. Thanks, man. It's like you speak on this stuff or something. Uh, what has been some of the challenges that you faced in the last 12 months? Oh, owning your own brand. The, the, biggest, the biggest challenge is, is uh, it's lonely. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I Come feed, on. Yeah. I feed off of other people's energy. Yeah. Uh, um, people fancy me as a creative person, but I'm more creative when I have a collective. Right. And so sometimes I'll be, I'll be doing the dang thing. I'll be writing or I'll be, you know, uh, working on a, 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 my own podcast that I'm, uh, you know, trying to start up 
um, uh, whatever it is, I'm new content. And I'll look out from the corner of my office and I'll wonder, is this right? Am I on the right path? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need a lot of people to pat me on the back, but dang, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, right? Can I just get something yeah. again? And I mean, and it's tough. I mean, the last thing I'll say on that is Tom Brady was recently asked. They said, do you feel as though you've received enough enough praise? Do you feel like your organization respects you enough for what you bring to the table? And his response was, no comment. This guy's been to eight Super Bowls and won five. Wow. He's been the MVP of the league. He's, he's been the MVP. Everything. Every, yeah. He's won everything. Many fancy him now, and it's getting harder to say this over the year or argue with it. He's the best quarterback ever, right? And he will tell you that he doesn't get enough praise. Now, he, he walked that back a little bit. He said, listen, I don't believe that there's anybody that works for somebody else that says that they get enough appreciation. Mm. So my biggest struggle mm. is, am I on the right path? It's a lonely business. I love creativity and bouncing ideas off of enough, one another. And uh, I struggle with not having that. I also struggle in the areas in which I'm not strong, i.e., uh, attention to detail and uh, financial planning and things of that nature. If you could leave our listeners like one thing, you know, like that next step to have fun, what would it be like, you know, in an organization, I guess, let's sure. just say, what, what can one person, if they haven't hired you, they're going to work every day, what's like that one thing they could take in and just bring their, you know, bring that light into their environment? I think it goes back to the experience part. So um, just on stage, I mean, this is fresh out of my mind because we're, mm-hmm. we're three hours removed. Stop asking the question about why are my people showing up late? Or mm-hmm. why, why am I not hiring the right people? Or how do I get these folks to stay? Or how do I get my, my customer service to a respectable level? Whatever that may be. And start asking the question, how do I create an experience for all those that interact with my business? And when I'm saying experience for all those that interact, I'm talking about your customers. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about your your employees. I'm talking Mm -hmm. about you. Mm -hmm. Because as a leader, if you're miserable, if you're not leading with fundamentalism, if you're not living your own fundamentalism. Everyone else is. Yes. That's exactly right. That's exactly (laughs) right. Are you you looking at me for a question? (laughs) Yes. You don't have to edit that out, actually. That's kind of funny. Anyway, okay, so I want to go through like passion prospecting because that's really where it boils down is when someone, you're seeing them have fun. You're attracted to it. And I think the culture now is you're attracted to it because a lot of people just aren't, one, excited about where they're at, or two, they're not having fun with what they're doing, right? And so we do this thing, it's called passion prospecting, where we just do things with our clients that we actually love. For example, we took uh, some of our clients as a client appreciation paintballing, and we had some of our best clients, and I'll never forget it, being hunkered down behind this like little statue and like getting paintballs just whizzing at us. Like we're going down here, but like what an experience. And I think the best gauge in what you just said is, are you excited about tomorrow? Are you, like you're the best gauge out of anything. And if you're not having fun, guess what? Other people aren't either. Sure. And so how can you use your own internal temperature to figure out, are you excited to wake up or not? Because if you're not, I, chances are a lot of other people aren't either. Sure. And so passion prospecting is something that we've seen so excited. And we get to do this every day is we get to sit people down and figure out what gets them going and how are you going to align your cash flow in order to do it. And so to be able to interview you, like I would say you're one of the wealthiest people I know. 
Thanks, man. Because it's not about money. Wait till you see my bank account, though. <laughs> if you couple those things together. You know, there is a component of financial. Sure, But absolutely. you're paying your bills. Yes. You have a supportive wife and a, and a healthy family. Absolutely. And you get to wake up tomorrow more excited than you were today. And you get to impact others to do the same. Well, and I will say... It's an investment. I've only been doing this a year, right? Yeah. And when I talk to other speakers and I hear them say things like, wait a second, how, how far have you come in a year? And, and you were on this main stage. It, that doesn't equate. And so while I'm not where I aspire to be now, who is? Yeah. And so ultimately, the more light that I, that I throw out into the world, I'm not worried about money. Money will come because to your point, if you're wealthy, if you feel good, if you have a great support system and you're doing what you love, the man, money just starts to show up. It does. It does. Yeah. So true. I, I'm just like, you've motivated me today, you know? And it's well, just like, I want to talk about one more reminder thing. to me. I just have more fun. I want to, I want to go back to one more thing. Your mother. Yeah. Tell us about how influential she's been in your life. Oh man. Um, that's an interesting question because she is, so I am the eternal optimist, Right. And the opposite end of the spectrum is the eternal pessimist, which I would, I would categorize my mom as a <laughs> pessimist. And when I called her out on that, she says, I'm not a pessimist. I'm a realist, right? And I'm like, what, what's the difference? If, if, everything, if everything that I see as being an opportunity, you bring something real into the situation that basically shoots it down, then isn't that a, isn't that a pessimist? I mean, aren't you, aren't you stifling my growth? Um, I love my mother and I'm actually blessed to have two. So my father, uh, remarried at a very young age. I was two when he remarried. Wow. And so my stepmother, I call my mother as well. She is the kindest hearted person in the whole entire planet. Wow. So my, my biological mother is one of the most intelligent people that I know. Her fundamentalism is reading. She goes to the library every single Saturday and she gets three books, big novel <laughs> books. And every oh, Saturday, yeah. she returns them and picks up another That three. is amazing. Wow. So, uh, so I, I like to think that I got her intellect and her ability to, to problem solve and, and see things rationally and logically because she does that well. And I also got my other mother's strength in that she showers everybody with kindness. Mm -hmm. And she's mm -hmm. always thinking about how you're feeling. And uh, I feel like I got a little of that on myself as well. That's amazing. Okay, where are you going? Where's the future for you? Okay, so uh, got the book that's going to drop. Uh, I'm thinking about the next logical step is uh, is branding a, a more passive stream of income that uh, would be available for sale. So I'm throwing around some ideas in my head that would showcase fundamentalism and give people a constant reminder to your point that I need to have a little bit more fun. And sometimes just seeing something or, or, or seeing a, a trinket or whatever it may be, it, they're going to be classy. Um, but uh, I, I've got some things in the works. So that would be like a subscription model, it sounds like. Yeah, potentially. Uh, so I got all kinds of ideas. I got the podcast that's, that's going to drop. Uh, again, that would be connecting the workplace and life through fun, merchandise, uh, additional keynotes. I don't want to get too far away yeah, from. Yeah, you want to enjoy the. Yeah, because man, I yeah. get so much strength by doing stuff like this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When you're selling stuff, yeah, you know, it's just it's different. Yeah, it's more of a connection with people. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So Brian and I are advisors at the Uncommon Wealth Partners, and if you want to hear more about the seven sources of residual income, you can go to our website www.uncommonwealth.com. 
and you can download the seven sources of residual income that we've been talking about. So guys, this has been so enlightening. I'm so sorry, John, I've got a new best friend. It's Paul <laughs> Long. So, and I'm not sure if he would say I'm his best friend yet, but he will. And I think- Move this, over, John Stoner. <laughs> yeah, come on, John Stoner. <laughs> we know you're in second place. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like everybody that interacts with you feels like their best friend. Thanks, so, man. That's super good. So, Paul, where can people find you if they want to know more? Sure. So, fundamism.com. Uh, you could find videos, uh, keynote videos. You could find examples of fundamism. We offer a free fundamism every single month. So, if you don't know what gives you strength and you struggle identifying uh, what you do for fun, we have a featured fundamism every single month. Listening to music with a purpose, meditation. Uh, I might do some ultimate frisbee here oh, soon. Oh, come on. Well, so uh, whatever you do for strength, somebody once told me nobody could do you better than you. So my goal is not to have everybody do my fundamisms. It's to share the wealth, sure. to learn what everybody does for fun, and yeah. leverage fundamism.com as a space where people could share. Very cool. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. This has been an amazing episode with Mr. Paul Long. And we didn't even get a touch on our Royals. Uh, I know. That's fan, tough. Maybe next fandomism? time. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. Um, <laughs> He's got puns. That's <laughs> fundamentalism. He is something else. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you so thanks for listening. And you can find us on the Apple iTunes Store, Google Play. And uh, please like this and review it. And, and rate it. for listening. Uh, number five. Yeah. And Melissa, take us out. Thanks. That's all for this episode of the Uncommon Life Project. Brought to you by Uncommon Wealth Partners. Be sure to visit UncommonWealth.com to learn more about our services. Don't miss an episode as we introduce you to inspiring people who are actively pursuing an uncommon life. 